push the limits again and, and start asking more questions that may be perceived by others to be controversial and see if I can elicit some more conversations that people are open to discussing both sides of the forum, not just one side of the forum. Try this bad boy out for science. You are welcome to take a seat at the table where we use a new lens, where humanity are stakeholders. Different distinctions encouraged, intention starts from a no-judgment zone, a certain age is not criteria, and where you become comfortable with the uncomfortable to facilitate a new conversation. Are you at the lake? Or we are. Is it yeah. a lake, a river, a lake? It's a lake. Beautiful. It's a lake. It looks yeah. so beautiful. It's We're very blessed to be here. It's a private man-made lake. There's actually three wow. of them. They all run parallel to each other, and they're designed just for water skiing. So is that right? Yeah, and been, so you and you spend a lot of your time water skiing, or uh, when the water warms you, up, you yeah. watch everyone else water. No, skiing. no, no. I participate and I drive for my kids and drive for the neighbors' kids, and yeah, it's lots of fun. We we are on the water often, at least once a day, sometimes two or three times a day. I love that. Yeah. Well, by the way, welcome to the decision table. Thanks we literally me. just have conversation. We just happen to turn, you know, live on and, you know, if someone listens in or later it will be put up as a podcast, but we just want to have conversations. And I think, you know, one of the interesting things, you know, we've not like had a conversation as in you and I talking like this. But, uh, you know, we've been commenting and, and back and forth for a while now. And I think we've had some pretty interesting conversations over the, the last little while. So I was pretty keen to have a conversation with you here. And I'm excited about it today. Me too. I'm looking forward to see what it brings, where yeah. it goes, where it steers. I love that. And by the way, on the decision table, there is no judgment zone here. We literally just have whatever it comes out, wherever we go, we just go with it. And it's interesting because my philosophy around it all in this way is that I think that actually it's really important for us to have a different conversation. And unlike your comment yesterday, it's less about having it in private and it becoming more of our norm to have this sort of conversation in the world. I think that more than ever, this is the time for it. Tell me what your thoughts are around that. Yeah, I, I, I think it's it's coming. Like I said to you mm. yesterday, you asked about how I have these kind of conversations and I've been trying to take them remote and behind the scenes just for more from the feedback that I got. Cause I was when the pandemic started and all this stuff was happening a year and four months ago, I was pretty vocal about my position on it. And, uh, mm. it was obviously like, you know, there's something, something else is going on here. There's something fishy happening. I, you know, there was a lot of hype and so forth. And I was very public with my views, which were. Contrary to the norm, contrary to the narrative we are being told. And now, you know, I, I, I learned in that process to shrink and collapse my circle. And um, not that I still don't have the same views, but more along the lines of I'm just going to be really cautious in who I have those conversations with, because I believe that, you know, in times of stress, people get hyper emotional, yeah. right? And it becomes yeah. hypersensitive. And, you know, I've had family, family conversations with my mom, my kids. I've got some older kids as well, like you. 
one saw things the way I saw things and one didn't see things the way I saw yeah. things. There's, you know, it's like talking politics or religion at the kitchen table or at Christmas time or Thanksgiving or one of the big holidays, right? Sometimes there's just some things that shouldn't be talked about. And that, that's kind of the stance I took. I, I, like I said, as probably eight months, I was pretty vocal. And then for the last eight or so months, I've been pretty, pretty subdued, pretty quiet. Yeah, I have to say, even on social media, you've been pretty quiet. And <laughs> I like it when you're vocal. No, but here's the, here's the, here's the thing. Like, I think it's so easy, right? For us to go, we shouldn't do this or we should do that. And I think this is the issue that where does it cross the line to the should or shouldn't? And if we don't make it more normal to have conversations, and I reckon that it's okay to disagree. I think that's part of having uncomfortable conversations is that we need to have these uncomfortable conversations because if we stay comfortable, if we just do it what like everyone else is doing it, then we turn into robots. And I don't know about you, but I wasn't designed to be a robot. I wasn't designed to not think for myself. And I don't believe anyone else was either. Yeah, I, I do agree with the sentiment. I guess for me, having been fairly public and it was starting to affect the business relationships that I had because mm. some of my business clients viewed things differently than I did. And so, you know, if I'm looking at it and it's going to affect my income, I'm probably yeah. going to deal with things differently. And that was the big one for me was, um, I saw that kind of going that direction with a few people and I'm like, mm, yeah. Do so I really I want to risk that. it? I understand that, but let's break that down. Yeah. And so if it wasn't because of that and you didn't have to worry about finances or whatever, because you, I don't know, like, would have you kept going on in that way? Does this? Uh, absolutely. It, and, I, and it's funny yeah. because, because I, some of those clients have left now. And not, Interesting, because of, right? not because no. of the, my, my yeah. stance or my view, just because of timing and what and whatnot. Um, and mm. now in the last kind of month or so, I'm like, should I, shouldn't I? How does mm. how's this going to play out right now? You know, for here in North America, at least, there seems to be a trend or a, a wave, a growing wave of the conspiracy theorists, which I, I think I'm tagged to be. Um, in the in public eye are starting to gain a little bit more traction and, and um, you know, all this stuff's coming out about what's happened with, with the virus mm -hmm. and lockdowns and, you know, still, I don't know what it's like there for you. I'm in Canada. It's ridiculous. That's part of the reason we came back here to the U S is that uh, Canada's lockdowns are crazy right now. Wow. And, and there's no end in sight. There's no plan. There's no, there's no strategy. And we were, by the way, I just got to put in there. I don't know that there's an end in sight for anyone right now. Well, just I, saying. If, being here in America, there certainly yeah. is an end in sight. Hmm. There's a different view. There's a different stance being taken now. And, and the population starting to come out of this with a renewed sense of there might be a new normal and okay. it's here or it's really freaking close to being here. And in Canada, that's, we're so far behind. And maybe that's part of being part of the Queen's Nation, you know, like you guys are as well. We were very late to receive vaccines. In fact, I just saw a statistic this morning, this afternoon, that was 70% of Canadians now have at least one dose of some sort of vaccine. So they're talking about uh, at a provincial level that they're going to start opening things up. Again, it remains to be seen. And the federal government may do things slightly different than that. But, you know, for me, I, I, I'm at the point now where I think I'm feeling a little bit more comfortable and confident in speaking out a little bit. Mm. Um, but I'm going to be very guarded in that, in those conversations. Um, at the start, I think my social media presence, right? Since you and I first met five or six years ago at the black belt in, uh, 
in um, Santa Monica. Yeah. That at that point I was, I was always been the guy who throws kind of controversial stuff out there. And I've been a, a person who doesn't mind stirring the pot just to see what reaction I get. And it's not because right. I have a stance either way, one way or the other. It's just, I think like you, let's, let's have a conversation. Yeah. But I think in this last year, a lot of people don't want to have conversations. It's their way. It's their narrative mm. or you're dead to me, or I want to fight with you. I want to argue with everything you say. So, you know, I'm open to all views. I'm certainly open to research in any way and whatever is being posted. I'll have a read through both sides or the middle side, right? But it's challenging because I, like I said, I think because the view is I'm so anti everything, anti vaccine, anti government, anti the science, all the other crap that is floating around that I'm, I'm viewed to be way far on the other side. But do you have a right as a human? <clears throat> Absolutely. To, to choose to have this as your thinking. And the decisions that you make as you continue to go forward. Like, I, I actually don't know why there is such a problem for us to have a different opinion, to disagree, to maybe do it differently. And I get it. I mean, I was in the midst of, you know, all the racial tensions. I had friends on either side of all of that. Like, I felt like I was kind of somewhere in amongst it all because here's the thing. Some people see me really white. Others see me as really brown. Others don't even see me. That's a whole conversation. And, uh, yeah, but that's the reality. So I, I went through this whole space of time going, where do I sit with it all? Who am I in amongst all of this? What is the conversation I'd want to be having if I was leading a conversation in that? And then I ran a an annual, this the thing that I do, which is a global human intelligence forum. And so we do it now on an annual thing. That was the very first one. We've got another one coming up in October. But it was in the amongst the literally when the whole heightened side of it with a, you know, racial tension and and no one knew what to say. And if you did say something, it was the wrong thing. And here I was having over 70 leaders join in in a conversation and we went anywhere and everywhere. That meant that, you know, my friend who we call each other twinsies. He identifies as American of African descent. He spoke and then I interviewed him and cause I know him and I don't hold back anyway, even if I don't know you. And because I, you know, I figure we've got this lifetime and I want to learn as much as I can from other people. And I want others to, to learn and for us to evolve as a human race to add value. And so I don't have time to muck around. So I'm going to ask questions and I did. I asked anything and everything. And then it was an open forum. Now, that could have been a risky thing to do in the heightened time, right, of racial tension to open that up. But I felt that we needed a space that we could do something like that. Because how do we learn if I don't hear what you've got to say? If I haven't heard your perspective, if I'm not, because I don't necessarily look through that lens because I haven't been exposed maybe to environments that you have, experiences that you've had. And that's where I think there's this real need for conversations to have. And I actually think in some places 
there is a real willingness to have these conversations. I believe many don't know how to have these conversations, how to navigate these conversations and act like human beings in amongst these conversations. But I do think that we have to get to a point that we are willing to bring these out because how do we evolve if I don't hear what you've got to say? Yeah, so I guess I guess the big question, you know, I'm a, I'm a white male. I didn't notice that. So, thanks for that. I, yeah. I just pointed out a white male in my <laughs> in my early fifties, and I'm yep. the poster child for what do they call me? Um, you are white privilege. You right? are, and you are. and I laugh. I I really do. Those who don't know my story, you know, I I grew up in a family of uh, mixed race. My youngest sibling, who I grew up with, was native. American mixed mm. with Mexican. She's half mm. Mexican, half Native American. What Adopted a when she, yeah, she's, you know, very kind of Asian native kind of look to her, uh, dark black hair, dark skin. And she, we grew up together. Like I was yeah. six when she was adopted. She was a year and we grew up in the same household and raised in that environment. And when my parents separated and divorced in my late teens, um, my dad went and decided to remarry and have another family. I have three half Vietnamese siblings. So when people yeah. call me, when people call me a, a racist because I'm white or because I don't speak mm. out, I'm like, you don't even know my story. Like you have not seen what I've seen. Yeah. You didn't live where I lived. You know, I grew up in poverty. Um, my dad and mom worked very hard and provided, you know, good things for us, I think. But I made a decision when I was a young man that I was going to live one step above where they were at. And I think mm. a lot of what, where we come from and who we become is based on our background. Yeah. And when you, when people, when I hear people use the race card or the color card or whatever it is as an, as an excuse why they're being held back, I don't get it. I really don't. <laughs> yeah. But see, you say they don't know my story. Yeah. How will they know your story if you're not bringing it out into the open? How do they know what you're thinking if you're not bringing it out into the open? I get the building of the relationships behind the scenes. I get that we have these conversations, but I actually got to a stage, you know, you know that we were nomadic and we literally traveled the world and I would have the privilege of having conversations with amazing people. And I mean amazing people. I felt selfish. I felt like I wish other people could hear what I was just heard there. I wish others had that opportunity because the learnings that I gathered on the road were just off this planet. What I learned was the more I know, the less I know, that there is so much more to learn. And, and I just... And I just thought of that as I know that we don't all have it figured out. We don't have it figured out. You and I don't have it figured out. I'm just going to put that out there. I don't know about you, but I definitely don't have it all figured out. And when you think you do, have another kid and they'll change your mind again. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) But here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. Like that's part of the learning ground. And if we can't learn it together and make mistakes together, so I might say the wrong thing. I might say, you know, an incorrect way to do things. I don't mean it with a ferociousness or a viciousness behind it, but I'm literally curious and I'm willing to ask questions so that next time I might say that differently or I might think a little bit different on that. Yeah. It's interesting. It's a it's a good question that you pose to me. Like, how do you get that story out? How do you get the message out? And how do we have conversations yeah. with, you know, people of different backgrounds, races and colors and genders and sexual preferences and all the other stuff? Like, I've been a, as an employer, I've 
I don't see color. I grew up in a, in a family that color wasn't an issue. Yeah. And so when it's constantly being told that because you're a single or not single, because you're a white male in his fifties, you're automatically yeah. a racist. And that, you know, you just, you just learn, Hey, I'm not going to, I'm not even going to speak because no matter what comes out of my mouth, it's going to be twisted and spun into something else that was not intended. And I don't know. It's hard. So take, that, take that <clears throat> thought and I'm going to throw something in there. Here's the thing. So this is a problem because you've got a story, you've got a narrative, there's some thinking behind your thinking that maybe that would be really helpful to others. But I get it. There's also where the world is at right now, and you do. You fall into that category beautifully, okay? Here's the thing. We can stay in that problem. We can see that this is a problem across the globe, but how do we narrow that gap now from problem to solution, right? And I think that's the bigger question is, okay, I can see this and this is happening. And this, and so here's one of the things that I'm seeing. I believe that there is really, without any shadow of a doubt, a need for a new approach to leadership going forward. If this is a truth, which I believe it is from all the work that I've done, then I need to go, if I don't like where everything is, if I see this as problems, I've got to find some solutions and start moving towards it. And so one of the things that I have asked of leaders, and I literally did this again in the weekend, was I was having this amazing conversation and and I said literally about this, we need to have more conversations like this. And we were talking about gender inequality at top decision tables. There is tending to be more gen, particular gender at that table they look kind of the same. They sound kind of the same. And I said, okay, so we know that's the problem. What is the solution or how can we start shifting towards the solution? And it comes back to you and I making decisions and going, okay, what if we were to have those conversations and make it more norm? How do we do that? How do we? And so one of the ways of how I do it is I pull people like yourself onto the decision table and we start talking like this in an open space. So I, I guess, you know, when you look at the global leaders, you look at politicians, business leaders, mm-hmm. there's people of all race, color, gender, and creed in there. Yeah. It's 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 interesting. Like, I don't know if you saw my feed, but yesterday we, my wife and I watched the Formula One race. And I watched I did not say all, that. all the Formula One racers all have, um, we are one BLM kind of things on their on their cars. They're on their helmets. They're yeah. low. They're on their steering wheels. They're very very public about it. And it's driven a lot is driven by Lewis Hamilton, a fellow out of the UK who's a world champion, six or seven time world champion, black guy. And he talks about you know equality in the workforce and equality for this and equality for that. And at the end of the race, mm. when they pan through his crew after he's won and he's the only black guy, there's no black engineers. There's no black tech support. There's no black pit crew. He, he drives for Mercedes-Benz, a German company. Is that because there's no black people in the world? No. Does he want the best of the best on his crew? Yes. Are those people going and training and getting education and doing the things that they need to do? And then beyond that, are they the best of the best? Are they the cream of the crop? And are they being selected because of their race, their sex, their gender, their political views? Why are they being selected? And so when I when race comes up or all these other things come up, it, it really kind of fries my goat because we all want the best of the best leading our organizations. 
I'm not going to hire someone based on their color, their sexual preference or their gender. Mm. I'm going to hire based on who's the best. Wouldn't you? So, yeah, no, no, no. I get that piece and I go, awesome. But here's the thing. Has everyone had the opportunity to be the best of the best? to maybe prove that they're even the best of the best, maybe have access. I have to say one of the best and amazing things that I've had in the last little while is I've got collaborative partners that are male that are so smart and they are taking, we we together are pulling things apart, figuring out the best solutions. I am so grateful, particularly for one of these relationships. His name's Jonathan Bates, and he's just such a legend. I love him to bits like a brother. He, uh, you know, used to run run teams and go in and detonate bombs, and he'd be the one to make it safe for the teams to come in. And, like, he's just such a, a legend, and a very, very smart, strategic man. And I am so thankful. Together we're doing business acquisitions and looking at syndication things. And I am so grateful to have such an amazingly strong, very clever man on part of the journey with me because I get to learn to ask questions. And he loves the fact that I bring a strength as a female, but also with my thinking that we can combine those powers. But I ask so many questions because he's been in spaces I've never been in. I've never known how to be in those spaces. I don't even know what they're thinking. But I can tell you, as I get to know it, I would be very confident to go in many of those places now. And that's the piece that I I go, I get it. We choose the best in those places. But what if those people have not had a voice in those places? What if they've not even been able to be at that table or be a part of the conversation? How do we now join that in there? So that's a great question. I think you, you summed it up with your past and history with him, though, is you found someone to connect with who had an area of expertise that you could leverage yourself into and get to the table. Mm-hmm. But you did that on your own. You didn't did. stand there waving a flag. You didn't stand there waving a flag. I'm a woman. Let me in. Because that never worked for me. That scared me. It doesn't work ever. <laughs> I want the job because I'm a woman. You know, I, I'm I'm really I, I'm torn. Is it? You know, my third oldest child is 17. She's going to be uh, mm. in grade, 12th grade next year and graduating high school next year, a year from now. And her lifelong passion is to become a firefighter. Hmm. And. Outside of being a firefighter, she wants to be a welder, like total male dominated industries, awesome. right? Mm. And I keep telling her, well, sweetie, like, I love you. You, you will get in the fire department simply because you're a woman. Yeah. Is that the person who should be in because she's a woman or because she's the best candidate? When you're talking about saving lives, what's, what's better? If your house is on fire and you're a 300 pound dude and you got to get dragged out, is a 120 pound girl going to drag you out? Probably not. So. When it's life and death, when it's critical decisions, when it, I, I don't know, like, I think like, but here's you, the thing, you, you, here's you, you the thing, position I, to win that position. I got to interrupt that one because I have a beef when you say something like that. I Give really do. Because here's the thing. I had this, so I don't know if you know, but I ended up in a wheelchair almost 12 years ago, right? And so it's been an amazing journey. And, you know, I walk now and I'm doing some amazing 
I just did this this far out stupid but awesome and very sore now a walk in the weekend. Uh, first elevation down, crazy steep banks, all sorts of things. But that's another story. Anyway, but I remember a few years ago now, one of our actually he's on our team in the, in the other company, but um, and his name's Mario, and uh, he was coming up to Sydney because he was down in Victoria in the time, and he goes, okay, I know you're kick-ass in the boardroom, but you've always been known as kick-ass in the gym as well. Now, remember, I at this point, so this must have been quite a few years ago now, but um, at this point I still was on, I think I was on stick, but the sort of the grandma stick, so really highly supported. One, one stick, yeah. Yeah, one stick, but really high support. And I still didn't have the feeling in my leg. So I would have to tell my brain to tell my leg to move, but I didn't necessarily feel it at all. I just felt it in my toes. That was the only feeling I had. And so I said, yeah, I'm going to take you on in the gym. Now, you know, I could never beat him up the top. Now, this guy, you got to understand, he's got like quads like I've never seen before. And I've been brought up in the gym. You know, I love the gym. And he's got like monster quads. And we get to the end of the workout. And we also were with one of his his mates. And uh, this guy goes, okay, let's have a competition. We're going to do who can push out the strongest leg press. And he goes, are you up for this, Kiri Murray? Yep, not a problem. Yep, I'll do it. It sounded stupid, leg press. I've got one leg that's good. I'm with Mr. Quad Man who's like got this beastie one and then Mr. You know, I'm determined I'll, I'll smash you out. So the guy goes, okay, I'll start first. His name's Sean. And he pushes it out, he pushes it out. He's all out at 180. And he said to me, oh, this is my best thing. Hey, Kiri Mary, would you like me to put that down so that you can start from? Yeah. Do you know what my response was? No. Throw some more on. Let, let me start at 180 kilos. <laughs> let me push that out. Smashed it. And I said to Mario, I have to say before that, I said, Mario, do you need to have that put down? And, of course, Mario's like, oh, if you don't, I guess I don't. And you should have seen his face. It was so funny. I pushed it out. Well, guess who won that challenge? It was me. You. Yeah. 360 kilos later. One leg press. Here's the thing. I was not going to be beaten. And I didn't care what you put on there. I will press that out. I looked at this thing on the side of the wall. It was like this little glimpse of light, and I just focused on that, and I was like, okay, push it out. And Mario was out, and I pushed out six extra, and he goes, you would have just kept going and going. <laughs> You're like my daughter. She's exactly the same. She but is a strong, That's- strong kid. Not a boy it's or a girl. It's got nothing. It's got nothing to do with the fact that I'm female, and I don't care, and I hate the fact that then people go, oh, she's so masculine. I don't give a rip. I was born female. I am female, and I am a strong female, and I'm very decisive, and if I make a choice to do something, I will deliver on that, and I will do whatever it takes to deliver on that. Yeah. Does that make me, you know, not the best for the situation? Who knows? I've not been in this, so how do I know unless I get the opportunity? No, I, I 
Totally agree. That's what I'm saying. You, but you've got to, you've got to go in knowing that you're the best, and you got to give 110. percent But I don't you're know going, that I'm the best. Not, How do not, I know that I'm the best? Well, you're going to give it all you got to compete against <laughs> whatever you're competing against, rather than standing there waving the flag saying, "I know, I know, I know, I know," but just give me mm. the shout because I am a female. That's I think the pendulum, and we talked about this the mm. other day, right? Yes. In the chat, is that there's this pendulum, and the pendulum swung from from one side to the other and it's still swinging to all this political correctness. And is there definitely things that need to change? Yeah. There's no doubt. Like what? What can we change? What is in our control to change? So I'm saying Uh, we need to have a different conversation. That's a starter point. So that's a great question. I don't know that I have the answer to you. I think that it's swung so far the opposite direction that you're, the people like me and lots of pe- lots more people like me currently um, who are holding back because they don't want to say the wrong thing for fear of repercussion. Oh. Do you agree? Or do you disagree? It drives me nuts that you but, have but to hold back. But it's realistic. That's what's happening. You, you have so much let's, let's t- let's t- have- let's, We can test it for two weeks. Let's do it on social media. Hmm. I'll post okay. everything everything I would normally post for two weeks. And you watch my posts that I was posting at the start of all this, like a year ago, were lit up with people just ripping into me, ripping in. There was no, I love you. There was no, let's hear yeah. a different perspective. There was no, I post things that were like, hey, what do you think? And I get lit up just for asking the question. It's like, I have so much energy in my life and so much passion and mm-hmm. compassion. I'm not going to waste it on people that are there to just shit all over people for posting a different yeah. view than what they have. But I think that's, this is the problem because you're not the only one that's facing this. You're yeah. not the only white guy in your age bracket that has an opinion. And I love to hear your opinions. I love to hear the wisdom that you have, the value that you're adding to that table. Here's the thing that I think we have to be careful of is that we're not coming with an attacking thing. And I love the fact that you said I asked a question. I'm not even demanding, hey, this is what I think. You better listen to me. You're asking a question. That's that's typically how I post my stuff is asking questions. If you look at how I do it, it's exactly how I do it, right? Yeah. And if I do have a really strong opinion about something, I'm really clear this is a personal opinion. And I am really careful in the way that I am kind of disruptive in the way that I'll bring things out into social media. But I've, like I said to you, I don't have anything to hold back and I will absolutely have a conversation with people if they disagree because that's what I want to know. But but back it up. Don't just tell me you're wrong and I will will push back on that. I don't care if you think I'm wrong. Just tell me what it is that you think and why you think differently. I'm okay with people having a different opinion than me as well. It's when the conversation turns into personal the attacks. Nasty. Yeah. And it's the swearing and the cuss words and the, the personal attack at something. It's like, hey, I got, it's not, that's not what I was coming here for. It's not what I'm intending to do. And I certainly am not going to play in that, in that game. And I've, I have blocked probably at least a dozen people over the last year when it got really bad. It's just like, I'm done. Goodbye. You know, again, they're entitled to their opinion. So how can you use your platform to shift this, to change this? What's another way? What's a way that maybe is a baby step to getting some change happening until they realize, because, and I think this comes back to your story. 
You know, you people used to say to me, you've got to tell people more about your story. And I hated telling people about my story. Why? Because people would go into their biases. They would go into what they would see. Oh, if she's coming from such a broken and abusive background, oh, she's going to be like so, you know, victim mentality. I mean, oh, so she's not, you know, she was dumb in school. Okay, well, she's not smart, is she? Why, why would I listen to her if that's what she was? And so these biases came into play and people, and this is where I joked about, you know, some don't see me. It has been a real issue in my life where I don't look like other people. I don't sound like other people. And I certainly don't say things exactly like everyone else. Yeah. And, and for some, that is like, wow, that's awesome. I want to be like you when you grow up, but like you're too scary and I'll, I'll just like look from afar. Then there's others that go, who does she think she is? And then there's others that go, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tip my, my toe into the water and start thinking. Can you help me a little to move along on that? I've done the same, right? I've, I try not to come from a place of woe is me in my story. And that, that's where I think yeah. I struggled personally that, you know, I certainly gone through my own stuff, um, but I yeah. don't think I was never abused. I, w- I didn't have any of those kind of issues. You know, yeah, we came from but a very you poor said family. You knew but- poverty. What's that? You said you knew poverty. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My, yeah. It's funny because my kid, you know, my meal for, for breakfast and her breakfast was non-existent. My meal for lunch was either bologna sandwich or peanut butter. Yeah. And we lived like that for years. And, um, you know, my kids laugh when we walk through the store and they see like a, a cow tongue. Yeah. And like, that looks gross. I said, we used to love that. We used to have it with, boiled with mustard. With mashed potatoes. Like, I'm no, sure it cost my parents stories. a dollar, you know? And, but I, I don't want to come across as that. I want to talk about what I'm doing now and how I'm looking forward. I think that's the same yeah, as you, right? But here's the thing. And this is what I've got told a lot. And I'm listening. I'm listening a little. So here's, here's, here's what I'm listening a little to this. And that is people need context. They need to see why this is so important to you. What, what I had to learn was, okay, if I wasn't that story, this is what it can be. And so I've had to go from one extreme to the other. And then what I'm trying to do is go, hey, realize I'm just an everyday person who makes decisions to not settle for status quo or to settle for less than what I believe is what I'm called to be or do, right? And I'm the exact same as you. I think that's why we connected years ago, right? Is people of the same feather flock together, you know? I know, but more of us, and it doesn't matter, like you say, what we look like, sound like, whatever. It's the fact that there's some real common thinking. There's some vision in what we do and who we are. That is the important piece. And I think if we can get more people who are excited about being who you're meant to be and that we are doing it more publicly, it has to catch on somewhere. Do you think that the population actually wants to follow in our pathway? That's my, that's I, my, when I well, look back and I look at the people that I talk to and I've worked with and coaches and, yeah. you know, you talk about going into politics. It's like people Did don't. Did you like that little dig in there? Yeah. Yeah, why don't you go into politics? No way am I doing that. <laughs> I knew I mean, that would be your response, but I, I, I just thought I'd do it. I'm sure would 
love to blow me out of the water with all sorts of good stories. But, um, you know, I think people want to follow. They don't want to lead. Yeah. And so if we're trying to build more leaders yes, and, and less followers, it's the 80-20 rule, right? There's only 20% of us that want to lead. Might even be less than that. And when the 80% just want to follow, how do you, how do you try and convince them that they should be leaders? Because that's really what has to happen. We just need more leaders in general. We need less, more people not accepting everything that's thrown at us in the media or everything thrown at us from the government and do more exploration and do more reading and more learning and all the other stuff. Because imagine if there was a whole lot of people doing that, leadership and government would have to listen. It's not, it's to me, that's not like, genius thinking it's just that's the reality why don't we become instead of the minority in this way that we become the majority and we join together and more of us choose to be you know moving towards this as a solution now here's the issue and I think you've put it on there beautifully is that there are many that want to follow but not many needing uh wanting to lead and I think when I talk about the need for a new approach for future leadership, I believe we need more leaders who are willing to lead. I really do. So, and willing to pioneer what the new norm can be or could but, look like. But the people that want to lead in a government, from a government perspective, in my opinion, in my experience, is that they're in there for self-serving reasons. They're not in there to lead to help. They're in there to lead to grow their own net worth. And if you look at that, at least here in North America, you look at the politicians that, you know, have been civil servants their entire life and have net worths of 20, 30, $50 million and growing exponentially. How does that happen yeah. when you make a hundred grand a year? Cause yeah. I can't do it. And I make a lot more than a hundred grand yeah. a year. So right? here's so the thing. How do you, how do you separate need, that? We need a revolt. We need where there's a bunch of us coming together that are willing then to step into that sort of role. That's where I, I challenged you. And I said, so you know it's a problem, right? Yeah. You going in government? Are you going to go in leadership? But I, and I joke about it, but in the same way, I don't joke about it because I go, are we willing to be part of that solution? So I, I guess the question becomes is, you know, coming back to the 80 20 rule, does the 80% really want change? Do they really well, want to be led? Or do they want to think that? I, I don't think they do. I think that. Yeah at least in North America or in Canada, like we had a less than 40% voter turnout federally. People don't, they don't give a shit because they honestly believe that no matter how they vote, it's not going to make any difference, especially in the West. They just So they is it they don't up. want change or is there not the options or the opportunity in which they want to come on board with? I think exactly what's just happened in the, in the American election they're afraid of smear campaigns it's the same thing the same reason i won't go into it i don't want to be involved in a smear campaign i don't have my kids going through that shit i don't want to be in a position where everything i've ever said in social media and there's a lot of stuff they could dig up in social media in the last 12 years that would make me look like the total typical 50 year old white male right so yeah Yeah. you know there comes a point where it's like you've got to be able to kind of weather that storm. And it's, I've done it. I've done it in lots of organizations where I volunteered and been directors of and things like that. And it turned, I'm doing it right now. I'm, I'm in a, I'm the president of our HOA, our homeowners association, a strata council here. Mm. And it's an absolute shit show. I don't talk to half the people here and haven't mm. from a long time because of 
no matter what comes out of my mouth, they'll spin it, twist it, and they'll go through their little process yeah. and make me look bad. And I just you just shrug your shoulders and go about doing your work, and hopefully that some point it will flash out that you weren't such See, a bad I person. Hate that. I do too. I, hate I do too. That. And so my thinking is less about going into government. People ask me the same thing, and I'm like, no, I'm good. Um, and, so you're uh, pushing me to do it, even though you won't. Yeah. Well, I don't know that I, 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 I never even considered it, to be honest. Like I wasn't brought up, unlike my husband, who was brought up where political conversations were the norm in the family. I didn't even know really what a government was and and I definitely didn't know how it functioned and or doesn't function depending how you think, right? And so it was not it was not something that I was even on my radar, right? So, you know, and I don't know that it still is on my radar because and and here's the the thing that I and maybe and I never say no to something. I just say that's not on my radar, right? Like at this point. Because I think that the change is around the fact that we as a collaborative of leaders that can start working towards the the solution need to come together outside of those walls at the moment because we have so many systemic systems that are broken. And if you're going to go into them, that's a hard slog. And I don't know that that's necessarily the easiest way to do it. I don't know... Like I actually think that's really tough. Now, if if we could build up around more like a movement side of it, which is what I'm trying to do with the leaders movement, which is get the you know leaders across the globe starting to have these conversations, starting to come together and going, how can we do that more? I think if we could do that in numbers and then you go into some of these things, not alone but together, I think we could bring some change and it wouldn't be as hard as it would be if we were individuals. Now, this is not an overnight solution, but I hope that it would bring, you know, hope to the generations to come because otherwise we're leaving behind. If you feel like that, if you have to walk away from things like that, what are we leaving behind as footprints for the next generation and the generations to come? Yeah, you're leaving around behind, I think, an attitude and a sense that it's hopeless and that no matter what we say or do, it's not going to make any difference yeah. in the in the overall good. And, I, you know, American politics, and I don't play in that in this marketplace, but, yeah, you know, you look what happened here and it was just it's all just smear campaigns. Donald Trump didn't lose the last election. People voted for someone that they didn't want. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like they didn't vote because Biden was better. They voted they didn't want Donald Trump. It's the same in yeah. Canada, Canadian politics. They didn't vote for Trudeau. They voted because yeah. they didn't want the other guy. And that's what our, even the current leaders in both of the opposition parties in both countries, you know, you look at the person who's coming in next and you're like, that person's not going to win this next election for this, for this party. They're not going to be able to take over leadership. And when you see what's happening, you know, at least over here, when you see the likes of people that have big, deep pockets and you're controlling the freedom of speech, the yeah. freedom of communication. Yeah. What we say, how we say it, when we say it. Like I, I literally, I just laugh when I open up Facebook now and it's just like mm. COVID this, COVID that, all these like fact checkers. It's like, yeah. if it's against the narrative, it's not been fact checked. It's been stamped COVID. And for me, I every day that goes by, if I didn't have such a presence here, 
I would drop it in a heartbeat. Yeah. You know, if there's another platform that you go to that allowed people to speak and, and say yeah. what they want, when they want and how they want it, whether someone agrees with it or not. I hate it. Shit. Yeah. So, you know, be, being in a position where you gather a bunch of global leaders and we get together and you have, you know, conversations and you try and take it to the next level. Do you really, I don't know. My, my view is I think we're too far gone right now. I think some shit, some serious shit's going to have to happen. And again, again, I I go, if that's a truth, then that breaks my heart. And I go, let's just give up right now. Why continue? I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a total give up. I think right now, and that's what I said to you in the, in the behind the scenes when we were talking online a couple of days ago is that I think right now things are too raw. It's like, it's like a, it's a burn, right? Like you've got this big scalding third degree burn. You peeled all the layers of skin off and you're trying to go in and scrub it. Well, is that really the best thing to do right now for that burn? Probably not. Is it probably to find some ointment that makes it better and eases the pain a little bit and have some, you know, polite conversations and kind of talk down, talk quietly behind the scenes and then build the movement behind the scenes for sure. I think that there's going to have to be a whole lot more bad shit before the good shit can come through. That's just my personal opinion. No, I, and I, I and I hear you and I think, you know, there's a lot of truth in what you're saying in that. I really do believe that. But I also go, it's a bit like that leg press. You know, it's I always believe there's a solution if we're determined enough to want to have that solution. And I think that going back to some of the things that we've talked about, that, you know, leaders, if they are leading, there's ownership to going, what do I and can I control that then brings solution rather than adds to the problem. I think there's still ways in which even if it, I'm trying to think of this in a way, but even if it goes against the grain and upsets people, we still have to be able to say and for humans to have a right to vocal lies what what you think and whether it's right or wrong it's right to you it's what's important to you and as long as it's not pulling or like I'm not talking about the fact that I have the right to uh, ruin other people's thinking and and their thoughts and who they are and all that that's not what I'm talking about but I think that as long as I'm allowed to have a voice of some sort, I need to have a voice of some sort and use whatever platforms I have to voice that. And I think as leaders, we actually now have a responsibility more than ever, even amongst it. And even if there's more crap to come, I still think we have a responsibility to use our voice. So have you been blocked yet or banned nope. yet? No, never, never. Um, I haven't either. And I've I've always wondered how the heck I haven't because, dude, I've had some pretty full-on conversations in in the open platform. I I haven't had it happen to me yet either, and I'm tempted to do it to see how far I can push. I really am. But once you're flagged, once you've been blocked. But I don't want to be, honestly, I don't want to be blocked. I don't want to be flagged because... You know, I've been able to get away with stuff, but I say it obviously in a way that has not been too bad. And that is actually you, what I want you, more are you than more, Are you more guarded today than you were six months ago? Nope. I'm less guarded now than I've ever been. Interesting. Okay. Yep. Less guarded. 
And that is because I think if as long as I'm able to have a platform and be able to have a voice, I need to have a voice. And I want to give as many people a voice on that platform as I possibly can while I can. So that's kind of my thinking around that. So no, actually, I'm more vocal now than I've ever been. And I've, I don't hold back on anything in, in the front of it. And, and I don't care. Like if people don't like me, I say, that's okay. Like you're obviously not, we're not the right fit. And I'm okay with that. But I think we need to be okay with that. I think we Absolutely. need to have, and, and that goes right back to those, you know, the conversations that we've had today around all of these different points is that we need to be comfortable with the uncomfortable conversation. We need to be able to have conversations where as we're talking it out, going, yeah, I'd be willing to do that. No, I'm not willing to do that. And that's okay. But I think it's important that we have room and space to be able to have this kind of conversation where we're back and forth on it. I think it's really healthy. I think that as we are willing to do this as leaders across the globe right now, that it shows how easy it is for others to be able to do it as well, like at role models. But I think that it comes back to this, that there is problem and solution. There is a gap between that. And if we're not careful, we're adding to that gap and it's becoming wider and wider. I do really believe that. And for us to narrow that gap, we've got to shift things forward, no matter how small those steps may be. But we need to keep, or otherwise there is no hope in the future for the next generations. And I do not want to believe that as a truth. And the other side of that is, if we are to narrow that gap, if we know that that is part of how we can move it towards solution, what are we, and that's the lens I'm using on this this next series of conversations on here, is what's the lens of ownership that you're going to take from that? Like what are we, what, what are we going to go, how do we own that and what we're doing and who we are? Because I think, now that we're aware that this is all happening, this is the conversation, this is what's going on, it has to come back to us as an individual going, well, what am I going to own? How am I going to do this? And what am I willing to do as we continue to go forward? So from our conversation today, what are you taking from that? What are you going to own? What are you going to do differently or think differently or do more of? What is it? What is it you've got from this? Well, I think that there's a couple of things that you just said there that kind of mm. struck a struck a chord. One is that ownership and responsibility and accountability are massive. Yeah, and I, I believe that I'm a person who lives in those three places very consistently. Yeah, and I try and impose and enforce that on people around me. That you know, my kids, my family, my clients, the people, you know, friends, that they live in that same kind of place. Mm of ownership, accountability, and responsibility. And so coming back to what your original question was, what am I going to do or how am I going to do things differently? I, I think I said, I'm going to test some stuff here in the next couple of weeks and see what happens. Awesome. And push push the limits again and, and start asking more questions that may be perceived by others to be controversial hmm. um, and see if I can elicit some more conversations that people are open to discussing both sides of the, of the forum, not just one side of the forum. Yeah. I love that. And I do want to make sure because I feel like 
I feel a responsibility on this that as you step out into that, be really clear what your yeses are and what your noes aren't. I'm really strong on that. And I think this is important for anyone that listens to this is I know what I stand for. I know what I will not. I don't care what you say on this. I will not, you know, allow that to go any further because that is not acceptable. Those are my non-negotiables and you need to know what they are. I think also you need to have a willingness to go, if this is blowing up and it's hurting people, I'm going to stop it straight away. Yeah. So know what that line is, right? And I think the other side of it is that as you give out by being a voice, you need to refuel and make sure that you are so surrounded by people who love and adore you, who get you, and who are going to champion you, but also who can call you when, hey, that is just not right. That is just not beneficial, you going down there. It's not serving you and it's not serving others. I've got people like that in my inner circle of who I, I've had to build that around me. I've got a wider and you know, don't be one of these people that go, oh my goodness, all I'm getting is this, this, and this. Keep looking for what people, and make sure that you're bringing that out. Hey, I love how George said this, and he's doing this and using it as role models of, I know this is a problem. I know you don't like this, but this is a solution. And I think that it's so easy in the world that we're in today for us to keep focusing in on the problem and not giving solutions or options or opportunity that there is actually solutions to it. So I just want to say that because I know it's really easy for for me to say on the other side, yep, go for that, that's awesome. But I also know there's often a cost if you're not ready for it. And yeah. I know you know that, but I just want, I, I have to say those things. Um, I what it. am I, t- so I don't know what you want to do with that, but I've said it. And what am I taking from what we're doing? You know, we've had a conversation. I love the fact, and I think that's, you know, I said that when I came off, you know, when we were talking online yesterday, and I said I love the fact that uh, you were willing to go back and forward with the challenging but also the what you threw out there and then it makes me think more deeper and the questions I'm asking and the thinking and gives me a different perspective. I'm really grateful for those conversations. I'm really grateful for, you know, sometimes I hold back because I don't want to scare people. I'm too intense. It's too deep. You know, and, and I think that there are people that want to know more, want to question things, want to, to keep growing. And so for me, that's really important, this back and forward. Uh, and I, and I thank you for the questions that you've asked today. I, I thank you for the, the willingness to, you know, go deeper in finding our pathway through this conversation because I think that to me has been really important for me today is this is tricky and it's something I'm navigating right now is 
Do I, you know, with the leaders movement, how do I build that out? I'm an introvert. So the fact that I, I struggle with this leader's lead, I can lead, but I like being the silent leader behind other people and supporting other people in a lot of ways. And so for me to step up as a leader and continue to keep stepping up and to build momentum, you know, it's these conversations actually excite me that there are other humans really wanting to do it more and given half a chance, have so much. Don't ever forget how much wisdom you have to add to the table and don't let color, gender, any of those things stop you from adding that. I really want to encourage you in that. Okay, so here's the other thing that I haven't done and I know we're we're almost out here, but I wanted to make sure we direct. If anyone wants to know more of who you are, what you're about, where do they go? CoachKyle.ca. That's it. Super simple, That's right? Super simple. I love that. No, but I think that it's important. And I think, you know, that there are people that love what you're about and, and you're doing some amazing things in the work that you do. do. And so I, I wanted to give you that opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Is there, was, you know, sorry, you were going to say something? It was great to connect. I'm really glad that uh, you invited me on today and it was a great back and forth, like our conversation yesterday uh, behind the scenes. Mm, like I said, yeah. I, I do enjoy that, building more relationships, closer relationships with the people and then and then getting a chance to, to speak your voice. So thank you for, for letting me do that today and take some, a lot of what you said and kind of internalize it, personalize it and turn it back around and back out into the marketplace. So thank you. I love that. I love that. That's the best. Well, thank you. Is there anything you want to leave? You know, is there a droplet of wisdom that you've... You've gone, oh, I wasn't able to say that, and I wish I could have. Nah, I'm good. You're good. I'm good. All right. Thank well, you I'm so gonna, much. I'm going to end this live conversation. Don't you run away quite yet, though. All right. All right. Amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, ensure you leave an awesome rating, and review. Our hope is this podcast creates a new awareness, activates ownership to what is next, a curiosity for the need to be part of the change and to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. If you want to further your journey with us, then apply to join us at our next Leaders Movement Parlay. The link is in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to help build a tribe who make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, and movement changers. Big love until we see you on the next Decision Table Series podcast episode.